Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hi there, welcome to the latest edition of Inside China Tech Podcast. My name is Kong Ho. I'm the technology editor of the South China Morning Post. Our regular host, Zan Su, is away on a business trip uh, in Paris. So I'm standing in for her this week. This week, we will talk about facial recognition and the surveillance industry uh, in China. And I'm very happy to have uh, our reporter in Beijing, Sarah Dai, uh, joining us to talk about some of her on-the-ground reporting. Hello, Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah Zai. I'm the tech reporter based in Beijing with South China Morning Post. And uh, uh, basically, I cover uh, artificial intelligence and uh, Baidu mobility and autonomous driving from Beijing. So again, happy to be here. So, so Sarah, I mean, uh, facial recognition has become you know part of everyday life for many people across the world. Um, I guess if you own a higher-end smartphone, uh, the chances are there is facial recognition baked into the device. Uh, you know, you use it to uh, unlock your phone and maybe even to to authenticate uh, mobile payments. Uh, what what's it like in uh, China? Maybe you can just uh, introduce to our our listeners uh, how prevalent facial recognition is uh, in China in everyday life. Yeah, like for those not so familiar with uh, life growing up here, uh, I would say like facial recognition is really everywhere nowadays going on in China and becoming like a irreplaceable part of the daily life. Like for example, if you go to uh, go to take a train or flight, uh, the chances are there must be some facial recognition software or camera there. So helping you to get on to the train or airport for the security check. Like before, like the security staff would have to hold your identification card to the eye level and check your faces with the ID card. But now they barely look up because uh, the cameras with facial recognition would do that for, for them. And uh, like if you go to Shanghai and Shenzhen, a subway station. Uh, you can also scan your face uh, to to get uh, to enter the the station. So that will do the automatic uh, faring uh, accounting for you. And also, like if you going to have a ride, uh, for those uh, major platforms like DD, they all in, they all require drivers to have the ID uh, facial ID check every day before they start their services, just to ensure the, the, the vehicles and the drivers are properly registered. Like in, uh, it's also in at school and hospitals. Like for school, uh, they have nowadays some universities have this facial recognition software for, for, for to check class attendance and also to check the identification for, for 
for exam takers. And at hospital, that's not really good for those who want to skip classes, right? I mean, it used to be you could hide in you know maybe the hundred students or undergrads in a lecture hall and hope to get away with it. But you know, it seems like you know with this with this. <laughs> with this software now, um, yeah, you'll be you'll be called up for not attending class. Yeah, yes, that will be a nightmare. I can only imagine for students nowadays. There's no way you can ask your pal to just help you cover up. <laughs> did you Did you do that, or are you one of those good students who always attend lectures and sit in the front row? Yeah, I was the one helping out to my classmates. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, because um, you know, I remember when we were in uh, uh, Shenzhen uh, a couple of months back. Um, I think with some of our other colleagues visiting uh, Tencent's uh, new uh, headquarters, uh, and you know, the access control uh, is also you uh, monitored by uh, facial recognition. You basically have to scan your face to uh, enter the building and. You know the permission for the areas that you are allowed to go to is all in the system, so there's no way that you can really go anywhere. You know without, uh, you know without the building knowing, uh, and you can't. You know even, I guess you can't even ask like a human uh, security uh, personnel to to let you in just because it's all controlled by by software. And uh, another funny thing is, I was just in Guizhou uh, last week, uh, and I was at this. A uh, really uh, famous uh, waterfall um, uh, in Guizhou, and you, you would think that Guizhou is pretty remote, uh, hence its beautiful scenery and all that. But you know, the entrance to the uh, to the tourist uh, area uh, is just manned by facial recognition. You have to buy uh, your tickets uh, with uh, ID, and then the ID is then correlated to your face. And then after that, you can forget about the ticket because uh, you just be scanned, and be allowed in and out of the of the area. So it is really prevalent, not just in I think some of the major cities, but even in you know all across the country. That should be the plan, like for like to catch uh catch avoid uh ticket scalpers everywhere in China who can take advantage from that. And for also for amusement park, like to save you from queuing for a long time, so they can get you personal appointments for each facility uh, with your face ID. You know that said, you know we we've seen you know headlines coming out of the U.S. about how uh, San Francisco has become the first city in in America to ban the use of facial recognition uh, by the police uh, and I think by the law enforcement agencies. I think there's concern. Uh, there that uh, the technology could be misused or that there is uh, no oversight and I believe um, that Oakland just across the bay as well as uh, Somerville and uh, Massachusetts is also uh, they are also considering uh, similar restrictions um, uh, is there is there a similar uh, concern in China about privacy mm-hmm. and and how intrusive uh, you know, facial recognition uh, together with surveillance uh, cameras? Uh, I would say uh, Chinese uh, uh, users in general are more, uh, like they would say, pragmatic in this stance. Like they opt for efficiency more to privacy. 
um, the, also the consensus in China among the industries or general public that's, that the trend is sort of inevitable. So, uh, so that they, they would right now, like the Chinese government is working on like devising the better deadline. Like for like for how good uh, how to decide like how good the facial recognition technologies is, hence like how what scenario it can be used, and how also regulate on the the data security part instead of like going straight with uh, outright ban. I, I know you recently interviewed uh, the founders of uh, SenseTime, which is the world's largest, uh, most valuable AI startup. Uh, and they are doing some pioneering work and facial recognition as well. Uh, and I think you also spoke with uh, the people at MacV, also known as Face Plus um, Plus. What do they say about uh, this debate over privacy versus you know some of the benefits that such technology could could have? Yeah, uh, like though, it, yes, you're right. That these people are really techno optimists. Um, I would say, like they, uh, like the, they, they think that first of all, technology is a tool. Uh, so instead of being good and evil, uh, like people behind it should take the responsibilities and uh, should work out better regulations instead of blaming the technology itself. In my conversation with the SenseTime CEO, uh, he believes like the the San Francisco case will be a uh, just an exception, a standalone case. Uh, but like in general, like they they all think if people start to see like the how how good how convenient technologies can make their daily life, uh, they will embrace it just like embracing the smartphone. Like you still have the choice of not using smartphone, uh, but um, that's the, the the consequences in convenience you have to bear on. And also, like for 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 different phases of technology, there will always be discussions with uh, data security and privacy, just like the telecom. Like before the introduction of smartphone or mobile phone, you will say like, uh, "What if someone can tap on my conversation, like, uh, or see see the the data being transmitted by my phone?" But uh, when it comes with the telecom and uh, the the the, uh, the disruption of the smartphones, like people start to stop worrying about having a third party or the, the data leak because of the, just because of the data regulation. You went down to um, Hangzhou, I think last month, uh, to do some uh, underground reporting and you chose to go to this uh, relatively new district in Hangzhou called Bingjiang. What, what's in Bingjiang? Yes. Why were you there? Bingjiang district is really interesting in the sense that it's home to the China's top three surveillance camera makers. And we really decided to take a look into how those companies grow from the 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 uh, grow from copycats to the world's giants and the, the country's top three giants. And since the U.S. banned the federal agencies from buying uh, hack vision and Dahua's camera in the 2019 U.S. National Defense Authorization Act. 
like people outside the circles would wonder like what these companies are like how they grew all of a sudden that brought us to to the district to take a look and uh, there was also a security expo happening in Hangzhou at the very heart of the world's surveillance capital can you tell us a little bit about um, Hikvision, uh, Dahua, and I believe the third one is uh, Uniview. What what are their respective kind of backgrounds? Yes, uh, uh, Uniview is relatively new, founded in two thousand six, and Hikvision uh, had its beginning to a Chinese government research institute. Uh, the state-owned uh, CETHIK. Uh, was his biggest shareholder with uh, with a thirty nine percent stake, and uh, and for Dahua, uh, its founder its founder Wu Liquan is a former defense industry technician turned entrepreneur. So, how much of a combined market share do they have of the global surveillance camera sales? Uh, all of the three accounts for about uh, 30% of global revenue. Um, and the latest figure will be out in June for for recap of the past year. So, yeah. So, they, they are still fast growing. So, tell me, uh, Sarah, um, what, what are some of the reasons behind uh, this company's growing to becoming global champions? One of the privilege of the, the the security expo is I got to talk uh, staff uh, and mid level managers of the all three companies, and uh, they basically they basically would uh, have to credit the 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 strong huge demands done at home uh, for the security like the Skynet program and the, the Sharp Eye project. The, which is the national security network covering both urban and rural surveillance, and it's also uh, and they also have to credit uh, like for Dahua and uh, uh, Hack Vision. Uh, all of the three have uh, overseas market, and for that part, they credit the the growing demands to counter terrorism worldwide. So the domestic demand, uh, you mentioned uh, Skynet and Sharp Eyes. Uh, are they like two different programs? Uh, maybe can you uh, explain a little bit what it is? Yeah, the Sharp Eye is an ex- extension to the what original to be the Skynet National Security Network, and the the plan is that there will be there will leave no dark corner uh, across the country. And it it is meant to help counter uh, fight crime and uh, stop uh, terrorism uh, across the country. And uh, like people that I've talked to, uh, all hailed like the low crime rates just because of the growing appearance of surveillance camera to deter crime. Yes, and uh, China has installed a national guideline in as early as 2015 that uh, the country aims to set up an omnipresent, fully networked, and always working and fully controllable video surveillance system at all levels by 2020. Now, we read a lot about 
uh, and we we have also reported on the surveillance in uh, Xinjiang, uh, in the far western uh, region of China, uh, especially over uh, the Uyghur minority. Uh, in your conversations with uh, these uh, executives and, and managers and analysts, I mean, what what is the view that's coming out of uh, uh, the surveillance industry uh, about their role in this? Yeah, like. Uh like people in the industry really firmly believe that uh, technology uh, as a harmless tool. So, so it, it should that uh, people behind it should take the responsibility uh, of how it's used. And they also have been vocal to regulations uh, to better put in range the technologies and protect the data securities. And. Uh, um, and for, for them, like, uh, it, it's not um, different. Uh, despite Xinjiang has been a super sensitive issue here in China, like, uh, there are still many reports on state media or just uh, briefings in the annual reports of high vision and stuff uh, on, uh, on their involvement in, in, in this area for smart city, what that's as smart city projects. And uh, like it's an all-round project to them, uh, not only for to catch crimes, uh, stop crimes, but also like to better run the traffic and detect fire or emergencies. And uh, so it's uh, it's an all-round. It, it has been portrayed as an all-round uh, smart city control uh, project instead of a simple surveillance. Talking about smart cities, uh, we also know that the 5G, the ultra-fast telecom networks, is just around the corner. Uh, it's being trialed in some areas in China and you know, across the world. How will this uh, added uh, speed uh, transform uh, not just facial recognition, but also surveillance uh, in those areas that you just talked about? Yes, uh the 5G will be a game changer in, in many sectors. Like for, for the security and the surveillance, like first it will change change the, the un, unlimit the computing power because you have to contain certain edge computing um, capabilities at the end for the surveillance camera. The, 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 the computing station have to be closed to reduce the transmission time, uh, waste of time. But this 5G, like the, it will back uh, stronger computing power for this surveillance camera uh, network. And you can remotely control um, the coordinate the, those video surveillance network at a faster speed. And also like we will unleash another potentials for for the involvement of drones in, in terms of the smart city uh, projects. Like, uh, right now, the high vision and DAFA have been uh, raised their solutions for smart city. Uh, like DAFA, DAFA is heart of city, uh, and high vision is AI cloud. Uh, like they all mentioned the involvement of drones, that they can be used to to help regulate the to help to help handle the emergencies like a super traffic jam or some chaotic or organized crimes and also stop fire. Like there has been mentioning of the, the, the deaths of firefighters recently in China. And the drones can help put out fire if it can be uh, remotely controlled 
uh, more efficiently. Just want to bring you back to uh, Pingjiang. I mean, as you were kind of going around the district in the taxis, uh, you know, was there anything special about the district? I mean, after all, it is the you know it is the uh, surveillance capital of the world in the sense that three of the largest uh, surveillance companies are headquartered there. Is there anything special about the district? Yeah, I would uh, recommend people who will go to when whenever they go to Hangzhou and they stop by there just to have a look of the future. Because <laughs> when I was there, I was super amazed by the the sheer number of surveillance camera in the districts. Like they are doing all sorts of test points labels, but. There can be as many as two dozens of uh, surveillance cameras from one traffic pole, which really is is kind of frightening. Um, but like they are uh, testing uh, testing like uh, different models uh, for all three companies, and uh, you will see um, uh, it's kind of future. It's kind of Hangzhou has been known as a tourist spot. So you simply go to there, go there as a tourist. You won't notice like uh, you won't take notice of those uh, number of surveillance camera. But in Binjiang, like this, really quiet and hard and home to all three headquarters of the company, uh, headquarters to the all three companies. And uh, when you hail a taxi, you will find like four surveillance camera in one taxi. That's kind of a quite unique experience. So you actually record it when you when you take a taxi. Yes. Yes. What, yes, what, did, I, the, uh, what did the drivers say? I mean, isn't it a bit kind of you know being on camera all day? It's kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, that's really strange experience. And uh, I was new there, but they they barely noticed the existence of camera or having been used to it by now. Because it happens after the, the G20 uh, meeting, and Hangzhou has been treated as one of the safest cities in the world. And they actually tear down the, the plastic uh, shields for drivers just to show how safe uh, Hangzhou is. And for drivers, they feel secured by the, the, the existence of the, the cameras. Because they say, like, if you are not a bad guy, you, you shouldn't be afraid. That's uh, that's really funny because when I was living in uh, uh, Shanghai, uh, I, I think in a lot of the cities in in China, for those who who, who haven't been uh, recently, uh, they have uh, this uh, plastic kind of uh, shields that wrap around the driver's seat. Uh, I think it's more to protect the uh, is is more driver. to protect the driver because. Um, you know, they're afraid of being robbed and, you know, if they're really rude and, you know, many of the taxi drivers in China are pretty <laughs> rude, you know, the passengers might try to attack them. So <laughs> I think it's for their own protection. But I guess, you know, if you are on camera, you know, and with facial recognition, people, the authorities know exactly who you are. So it's not that good idea to uh, strike the cabbie. Yeah, that's kind of the rhetoric that if you're not that bad guy, you shouldn't be afraid. Uh, so just uh, another perspective from China. So don't don't commit don't do bad things in China. That's the takeaway, I guess, with all the cameras around. Yeah. You know, on that note, I think you know we're gonna wrap up uh, this week's uh, edition of Inside China Tech. Thank you very much uh, for listening. And if you want to uh, follow us, you can follow us on Twitter at SCMP Tech. 
That's SCMP Tech. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Simalaya. Talk to you next week and hope you tune in. Bye. Bye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.